Great. Oh, that thing showed up already. Mm. I have to find a way to make that thing blank before I get it going. What a morning already, isn't it? Wow, did you guys feel the presence of God in this place? Wow, we just love when God shows up like that. Thank you again, Laura, for leading us in such a wonderful way. Um, I'm just going to jump right into my message because we have to be done by 12.45, sorry, 12.15, no, 12.30, 12.30, so we can go eat upstairs. Mm, the heavens are open. Ah, Father, we just thank you for your, your, your incredible goodness to us. We thank you, God. You're so, so big. You're so loving, so kind. And Lord, I, uh, that song just continues to minister to my heart. You, you, there's no mountain you wouldn't climb up. There's no uh, darkness you wouldn't uh, light up as you come after us. Thank you, God. These aren't just nice ideas or good words, but you actually did this in time and space and history. Lord Jesus, when you came, when you entered into this broken world, and you came on a mission, and your mission was to ultimately end up on a cross, battered and bruised, brutalized, And then to rise again from the dead three days after, according to the scriptures. It says that you endured the cross. You endured the suffering for the joy that was set before you. And the joy was that there was going to be a way made for every single human person who wants it. To be reconnected to our creator God, to our heavenly father. We're forever grateful to you, Jesus, for doing this for us. Thank you that you, you endured the cross, that you set us an example. But you also enable us. You're not just our example, but you are our, our enabler. And by the power of your spirit, you enable us to live the life that you're calling us to live. In the good and in the bad and the ugly. We love you, Jesus. We love you with all of our hearts. We ask that you keep moving in this place. Keep moving, Holy Spirit. Keep, keep touching us. Keep uh, just taking your truth and your reality deeper into our hearts. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to live for you like we've never done before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Who is living the, their dream? LTD, baby. Who is living your dream? Living the dream right now. Anybody living the dream that everything in your life is falling into place? You're cooking with gas. Bada boom, bada bing. It's all good. Who, are you, who, who of you are actually uh, going through some really difficult, overwhelming things? I don't mean like you have a bad hair day. I'm talking serious, overwhelming pressures of life. Maybe there's relationship problems. Maybe there's financial problems. 
Maybe you're just so tired on the inside. Maybe this, this Christian thing is getting on your nerves because you're not seeing any breakthrough, not any freedom. You're not seeing all the promises that, you, that the preachers tell you, that the Bible tells you that, that you have access to. Anybody like that in the room? You don't have to show me your hands. I know enough of you. And, and I, you know, being a pastor, we get to uh, have access or information about people, which you tell us. We're not gossiping. You tell us stuff. And so we know that life can be, life can be messy. And in my, own, in my own, you know, people say that you have the, the mountaintop experience and then you have the valley experience and then you have another season of the mountaintop and that's how life is. Well, I found in my personal existence of being a Christian for 40 years that actually... Actually, in most of the time, it's actually both happening. There, you know, I look at my life, and there's some really good things happening. Okay, I got a pretty cool church. I got some good friends. I have an awesome wife. Outstanding things in my life, okay? But then, but then there are other pockets of my life where things aren't as I would like them to be. God, you have promised me things. You have given me promises through the word of God, you've spoken to my heart. Through prophetic people, you've given me promises. But some of, these prom- some of these promises haven't been fully realized yet. Yet. And so I'm in that place of waiting. Sometimes it feels like a valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes it feels like it's a valley of, of despair, despondency, discouragement. And a few more Ds. But, but it, I haven't received the fulfillment of your promise yet. And I think most of us live like that. There's always good stuff happening, but then at the same time, you know, there, there, there's, there are things that we're longing for God to do. And what I want to talk to us about this morning is a sort of a message that we don't typically give in our, um, you know, hyper-charismatic, happy-clappy sort of church stuff where where, you know, we're overcomers in Christ and we want to have glory and all the, all the victory and all those amazing things. And, and, and that's, that's I, I love that. That's, that's actually a part of, of, of it. But, but there's another aspect of this walk with Jesus where, where there's a requirement to endure, right? To, to, to keep going to be faithful even when you don't see the promises, even when things aren't going well for you. You're called to endure. You're called to keep going. And that's the aspect of what I want to talk to us this morning. On Wednesday night, we had a great breakthrough prayer meeting right here in this room. We had a handful of people, and, we, and, we, and, and then the, the anointing of God was there, and we felt his presence and we prayed some awesome prayers, and I'm hoping to hear some really good testimonies from people of actually receiving breakthrough. Amen. You know, one, one, of the signs of, of, one of the signs of maturity is being able to carry two divergent um, dy- uh, realities, which may seem to be conflicting, but, but being able to carry them together uh, in a dynamic tension is a really good sign of maturity. 
See, the early church, right? The early church, when you read the New Testament, anybody read, read, read the New Testament recently? If, if you read it, when you read it, you see that there were signs, wonders, miracles, people getting saved, you know, amazing, powerful things happening. But you also see that if you read the, if you read the entire thing, you see that there are places where people actually went through incredible hardship. And they suffered a lot for the name of Jesus. Uh, those of you who have been keeping track, you hear me saying that, that um, as I'm, this year I'm reading through the Bible like we did last year, and I'm use, using the Alpha thing. Um, but I'm also reading the book of Matthew and the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to repeat, repeatedly read them all the way through the year because I want to get more and more familiar with those two books. And so, some of what I, in fact, most of what I'm sharing about this morning actually comes from the book of Hebrews, which, by the way, is a fantastic book. It's so rich and loaded with deep uh, theology. You know, the guy speaks about Jesus, how, how incredibly different he is from the angels, how he's absolutely unique. He is the express, uh, he's the complete expression of, of God. And then he says, because of this, love one another. This great big theological statement that blows your sockets. He says, okay, because of this, just love each other. And he brings it, he brings it makes it really, really concrete and practical. Fancy theological stuff, but practical outworking of it. And all the way through, all the, way through the scriptures, uh, through the book of, of Hebrews. And he also gives a lot of warnings as well. You know, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. He's the perfect priest, high priest. Therefore, don't turn back. Hang in there. Keep going. So I'd recommend for those of you who need to have a refresher on the virtue of hanging in there is to read the book of Hebrews. Amen? How many people know uh, Andrew Brunson? We've been praying for Andrew for quite some time now. And... Um, and obviously, he's been released after being two years in prison in Turkey. He was imprisoned uh, because he, uh, he was imprisoned because the claim was he is an anti-government terrorist. He was a pastor in Turkey for 23 years, and then, as a political move, he, he and many other people were were captured, imprisoned, and Andrew was in prison for two years without knowing day-to-day -day, how long he was going to be in prison for. He actually said to us, um, he was in Toronto for the conference recently, and because he's, uh, Elsie prophesied over him a, couple of year, a number of years ago, and, and that word really ministered deeply to his life, and so he sort of connected to us. Uh, he and I were part of the same missionary organization many, many years ago, and so we have that sort of connection. So we had a chance to hang out together while he was here, and, um, and so um, he said to us that the biggest challenge for him was that ju just not knowing. I mean, the injustice of it all was, was one thing, the fact that he was in prison completely unjustly, and with this three-lifetime three sentence over his life. So that's bad enough. But he didn't know day-to-day 
what would happen to him. It was the not knowing that was really the biggest challenge for him. So he was in prison, and um, uh, you know, at first he was in this, in this prison that was built for eight people, but there were 24 people in the room. Hot, sweltering place. He lost 50 pounds. Uh, he became physically uh, sick, unwell. Um, but even in the midst of that, even in the midst of not knowing what was going to happen the next day, uh, even in the midst of this three-lifetime sentence hanging over his head, um, uh, oh, and the other part of it, too, was that he said he was the only Christian in that prison, as far as you can tell, and in fact, it was like a reverse uh, IHOP. It was like a reverse International House of Prayer where they have 24-7 prayer. While well, these guys, many of the people in prison were actually uh, ISIS uh, prisoners. They were captured by ISIS. No, ISIS fighters who were captured and they were imprisoned. And so they were doing their, their ritualist, ritualistic prayer over and over and over. And a swirl of this, all this negative stuff was in his life. And so he had that experience. And then he was taken into solitary confinement for his own safety. And uh, so needless to say, if you can imagine some of these things, it was incredibly, incredibly difficult for him. And Andrew is a man of the presence. When he came to Toronto a bunch of years ago and he encountered the Holy Spirit in such a transformational way, um, he became a lover of the presence of God. He just loved the presence of God. Even being a pastor in Turkey, um, um, he, in, he developed and inculcated uh, a, a, a habit of just welcoming the presence of God and being in, in tune with God's presence. He would feel God's presence. He would feel the love of God. And he had all this going on uh, in, in his life. But then he gets captured and almost immediately, every sense of the presence of God was gone. I mean, he obviously knew God was with him because he knows the Bible and he's a man of faith. But the experience and the sense and the warmth of God's presence with him was gone. So he had to go through that as well. Then he goes into solitary confinement and he realized after some time of really struggling through all these things, he realized that I, had, I need to do a couple of things. I need to dance before my enemies. Not the people, his enemies of fear, of anxiety, of confusion, of the, the swirl of thoughts and ideas, the bombardment of the enemy trying to make him insane. He, so, he, so what he would do, even though it was very awkward, and uh, embarrassing and strange, he would, he, would, he would dance before the Lord. Come on. He says he came out of that prison with no offense against God. He was not offended by God. He was not bitter. Yes, there was confusion, uncertainty, but he was not bitter. He was not disappointed. He was not uh, discouraged. He didn't lose heart in the goodness of God. In all that experience, two years, horrible two-year experience. Um, 
So I'm reflecting on, on all these things, and I'm saying, well, this wasn't the experience of Peter or, or Paul. If you read Acts chapter 16, for example, they were imprisoned in um, uh, Philippi, and they were in, the prisons in Philippi were worse than the prisons in Turkey, the Turkish prisons, as you can imagine. They were like dungeons. And it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas, they were singing hymns. They were singing. You know, Peter was in prison, and uh, he was fast asleep. He was so fast asleep that the angel that came to rescue him, sent on assignment from God, the angel had to wake him up. Get up, Peter. He was so fast asleep. He was so at peace in this environment. And this wasn't um, Andrew's experience. But then I read the book of Hebrews. And so let's try to read some of the book of Hebrews. I put it up on a screen because I want us to read these words. You know, I'm reading uh, Hebrews chapter 11, which is this amazing passage. If everybody knows Hebrews chapter 11, it gives us this litany of, of heroes of the faith, men and women of God who were wonderful, dynamic uh, heroes of the faith who did great exploits in the name of Jesus, I mean, uh, on behalf of God. People like Abraham, people like, like Moses, all these guys, incredible. And uh, so let's pick up the story from uh, Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Remember that phrase, gained what was promised. Gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the, of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies. Incredible. Hallelujah. Those are the kinds of people we, we love, we want to focus on. Yeah, we cheer them on. They were the ones who were successful, who received the promises that God had for them. But here's the next group of people. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And here it is. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. Just imagine what, if you can, what that would be. It, it, the, 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 the sources say that, uh, like Jeremiah was, was sought into probably, when, he, when they were taken off into captivity by the Babylonians, Jeremiah, the prophet, was sought into. And it wasn't with a nice uh, skillet saw, you know. Too, 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 gruesome, to, too gruesome to think about. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. I love that statement because when it says the world was not worthy of them, 
the people who were treating them this way, who were making, who were making them destitute, who were killing them, who, who were sawing them in two, who were killing them by the sword, those people were saying, you are not worthy to be alive. But the, but the Bible, God himself is saying that this world is not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Here we go. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. These were all commended. They were celebrated. They were approved of for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What that basically means is, is talking with Jesus. They were perfected because of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. So they were looking down, they were looking forward towards Jesus coming. They all had inklings and prophetic realizations of Jesus coming, but they never grasped hold of it. So they were looking forward to Jesus. We were looking back at what Jesus did. And so the two, the, the Old Testament and the, New, and the New Testament, people of faith together are perfected in Jesus. But here's the point. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. You see, we have a danger in our culture uh, to tacitly, I mean, um, um, quietly or in our hearts decide this person isn't living in faith because they're not having the breakthrough that they're supposed to have. This person is not living. There must be secret sin in their lives because, you know, they're, they're, they're broke or their marriage is falling apart, or some negative thing is happening in their life because of something that's wrong. And that may be true, but we can't, we can't for one moment think that we, we are the judges of other people's lives. There are people who are going through things right now where it's not their sinful stuff. It's not their sin. It's just living in a broken world. It's a messed up world. It's an imperfect world. And stuff happens in a broken world. But the question is, how do we respond when we don't see the promises that we know are meant for us? Everybody good so far? Is this a bit of a downer message? Okay, good, good, good. I believe with all of my heart that one of the greatest, in fact, there's somebody right now in our midst, in this church, who has said to us not too long ago that in my life I have learned the most about God in my times of difficulty, in my times of suffering. I've learned the most about God. And also learned about myself, that I can learn to endure, I can learn to persevere, I can keep going, even though I'm, I'm even though I'm on my last legs, basically. I can, I can rely on God, and he will empower me to, with strength, with endurance, with faith, with whatever I need to keep going in faithfulness. And I believe that's the biggest, tremendous key, the tremendous blessing that hardship can bring to us, that difficult circumstances can bring to us. We can learn, we can embrace, we can embrace hardship and say, I'm going to run to God for my strength. I'm going to run to God for, for the, all the grace I need, all the endurance I, I need, all the strength I need in order to live this life that he's called me to live. 
Of course, the flip side is we can easily get offended by God, and we can say this God thing is not worth it, man. This Christian thing is too much work. You mean I have to forgive my husband? Come on, I can't forgive. He's Jesus. Have you seen this guy? Have you seen what he's done? How can I forgive him? And people have walked away or whatever. Let's read on a bit more. This is in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 now, just following on from what I just read. And therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those Old Testament people who had their promises fulfilled and the other group who didn't have their, their promises fulfilled, but they were in faith anyway. They were full of faith anyway. Here's the thing. The Bible, if you read that thing, the Bible is not saying that those people were commended um, because they got their promises, they were commended for their faith. They were commended for their faith even when they didn't receive the, their promise. So what's the common denominator? It's their faith. It's their faith. It's their willingness to trust God even when the circumstances screamed otherwise. I'm longing uh, for more people like that in my life. I'm longing for people who would just live so crazy, radically for Jesus that, you know, they, we just want to lavish our love on him without any expectation of, of, of anything in return. Yes, he will bless us and all the rest of it, but can we just love him just because he's worthy of love? Can I digress and tell you a little story of one of the absolute heroes of my life? She's an absolute hero. Hero of, I have very few heroes, apart from Elsie, she's one. I had, there's another lady who is an amazing hero of mine. The first time I ever went to India was in the year 2000. I went to a small little village, uh, I'll just keep the story short. I went to this village called Akividu in Andhra Pradesh. And uh, we went there because a friend of ours um, was the granddaughter of Canadian missionaries who went to this region of India to, to, to preach the gospel. They started schools, they built hospitals, they did dog wells, they started churches. There was an amazing revival time uh, in, in that region. And so they were celebrating 125 years of these missionaries coming. And Joan was the granddaughter. So she took us, invited us to come, so we went with her. And one of the people we met was this Dr. Janaki, this lady who at the time was in her 80s. She's probably past, I'm sure she's dead now. But at that time, she was 80 years old. She was from Chennai. She was from, a, uh, she was from Chennai, a, a medical doctor. And she could have practiced medicine anywhere on the planet, right? She could have been a, a medical doctor anywhere. But she chose to go live in this little town, little incidental place where nobody really knows where it is and who, uh, whatever. She goes there and she pours out her life like a drink offering for these crazy Andhra Pradesh people. She lived there for all of her life, serving them with medical needs. She's a wonderful Christian woman. So Joan and I, just before we were supposed to come, uh, to fly, uh, we were supposed to come back home, uh, we went to visit her for the last time and we went into her little simple house, and we sat there, we had some chai, and, um, and we're chit-chatting, and then we decided that we we're gonna pray. Let's just pray together. 
And it, still to this day, 19 years after, it still touches my heart because I'm not the kind of guy that has a lot of supernatural, super duper kind of experiences, okay? I'm a left brain accountant. <coughs> but in that moment, as we were praying for this lady, um, it's as if I could hear the angels singing. Honestly, it was like this heavenly thing. We were just simply praying. It was an afternoon. There was no, no worship music, no Laura Osmond going off in the background. You know, none of that stuff. It was just a simple prayer meeting. Uh, three people sitting together having tea. And then we are going to pray. And then, bam, the sense of these angels singing. And there was such a, almost like a, a glory, a golden glory atmosphere that began to happen in the room. It was a deeply touching moment. And when we finished, we walked away from that place. We had a, maybe a 15, 20 minute walk back to, place, to the place we were staying. And neither of us, neither John or I, could say a single word. We were so impacted by what we just experienced. It was like heaven. It was like heaven was saying, have a taste of what brings me pleasure. Profound. And I would like to live a life like that. I would like the people that I have any sort of influence over to uh, live like radically devoted lives. Who would serve God without any expectation of anything apart from just being delighted in who he is. He is so worthy. He's so worthy. Excuse us not, folks. Okay, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Don't just think about, you know, fleshy sins, sexual sins, whatever. Think about sins like unbelief. Think about sins like, like, like uh, holding grudges against God because he, haven't, he hasn't answered your prayers. Think about sins like un, uh, of, of doubt. Think about sins like, like harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Get those things off. Those things will strangle you. Strangle you. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose hope. Two things. Jesus is our example. He's our example. 
he, he, the, the beautiful thing about God is that he never asks us to do anything that he himself hasn't already done. And secondly, he never asks us to do anything that he is not willing to enable us to do by the power of his spirit. So first, he's our example. Right? He set us an example of enduring suffering completely unjustly. And by the way, I doubt very much if anybody in this room would ever have to be, would ever have to endure the kind of suffering that Jesus did. So he's our example, but he's also our enabler. By the power of his spirit, he helps us to live this life that he's called us to live. He helps us to endure hardship. He helps us to, um, to keep going, to persevere. Amen? A few more thoughts and then we wrap up. Endure hardship as discipline. Just a couple of, chap- a couple of verses down. Uh, endure hardship as discipline. God is tre- treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So what this guy is saying is that if you are a child of God, if you're a son or a daughter of God, you expect discipline is part of his good parenting. A good parent disciplines his children. A word about discipline. Everybody who's thinking that discipline equals punishment, you are completely wrong. This discipline he's talking about is not about punishment. It's about training. It's about equipping. It's about preparing. It's about making us ready to be the adults and the mature people, sons and daughters of God, that he wants us to be from the very beginning. Discipline is about preparing us. It's about training us. It's not about punishment. Punishment was done at the cross on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a little illustration. Some of you know that I'm working on my health. And we're on a strict diet. For health reasons, I need to get my... Well, actually, I think I'm healed by now. My blood sugar level's down. So we've been on, on, a, on a diet. And more recently, I've been spending a lot of money selling some blood selling the farm, and I'm paying another guy called a, physical, a professional physical trainer to help me get uh, to exercise. It's wrong. I know it's totally wrong. But this is what I'm doing right now. And so when I go there on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8.15 in the morning, he's got me doing a bunch of different things. I used to be quite fit when I was younger. I was never obviously very strong, like physically strong, but fit. And all that's gone. But anyway, it's coming back. Shaka boom boom. Yes, hallelujah. So this guy, would, you know, he's an older gentleman, right? My doctor who actually put me onto this, he said, get, get a trainer who's not one of those young guys who would just go rah, rah, rah. Get an older man, a gray-haired man who will know how to help you at your age. So praise the, God, praise the Lord, that happened. I found this guy. And so anyway, I go there. And one of the things I have to do, man, is he puts a bunch of weights on a thing. And I have to go from one end. And I got to push this thing all the way to the end and then back again. Even though, 
you know, halfway through, uh, I'm losing oxygen, I can't breathe, uh, and my, my, the lactic acid is, is causing incredible pain in my, in, my, in my thighs. And he's just saying, okay, one more, just, just do one more. Okay, one more, one more. He's training me, guys. He's, he's actually disciplining me. He's disciplining, disciplining me to not uh, give up at the first sign of strain or pressure. He's disciplining me to not cave in to the pain in my thighs. He's disciplining me to keep going because he's, he's, he's sort of saying, at the end of this, when this is done, you're going to be so much better off than when you first came to me five weeks ago. Amen? And this is what the Lord does with us through hardship. He's giving us, he's giving us, he's, he's become our own personal uh, trainer. Come on, somebody. And he's helping us. He's helping us with, with difficult circumstances of life. He's saying, come on, man, you can do this. And he's even better than a trainer because he's able to give me something of, of himself which Chaz can't do. Chaz can't give me his spirit. God has given me his spirit, and by his spirit, I can endure all things. Come on. Come on. This is what God is doing for us. So embrace the difficult circumstances of life. Embrace them. Embrace them. Because God is going gonna, is gonna to make something glorious out of your life uh, at the end of the day. I, may, I missed a very important point back, back, back there when he says about you know, them not receiving their, 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 their promise and we uh, are being perfected with them. There's a sentence that said that um, they, because he wanted them to have a bigger and better promise. Just read it sometime when you have your Bible open. Hebrews 11, 32 and following. He wanted them to have a bigger and better promise fulfilled. So listen to this. When there's, when, when, there's a, when there's a waiting period between the promise given by God to you, given to you, and the fulfillment of that promise, the, the waiting period, I would suggest that the waiting period, the longer the waiting period, the more difficult the waiting period is, the greater the promise will be. The more glorious the promise will be. What, what, what more glorious for the people in the Old Testament to actually encounter the living Christ and knowing that He was the promise that they were waiting for all along without fully comprehending it. Would that blow their minds? Have you ever preached the gospel to anybody who's not a believer? Give it a whirl. You'll see how amazing it is. Especially when they connect to it. Okay. Uh, 12.21. Oh my gosh, man. I'm telling you. Uh, let me talk to you about the suddenness of God. The suddenness of God. Andrew Brunson after not knowing how long he was going to be in prison. Like we know from our perspective, but he in prison had no clue what was going on in his life. But then, brothers and sisters, within 48 hours, he goes from being in prison, in a Turkish prison. It's not a nice Ontario prison, you know. It's a Turkish prison. Think about that for half a second. A Turkish prison. It wasn't a Turkish delight. Those are nice. It's a Turkish prison. 
he goes from there within 48 hours to praying for the President of the United States of America in the Oval Office. That is a suddenly of God. He went from this place to that place. Reminds me of Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? How he was in prison. For, he, was, he, was, he, had given, he was given these amazing promises of God, these prophetic words, these dreams from God that he was going to be, he was going to be honored by his family members and everybody else. Right? But the very next thing is that the exact opposite happened. He goes downhill, downhill, down, ends up in a pit, ends up in prison. And then within a moment, at the right time, in God's economy, at the right time, he goes from being in prison to being in the palace as, a prime, as the prime minister, essentially. He had no clue when he was going through those 13 years how long that was going to be. God never told him. Right? No prophetic word says, okay, Joseph, your life will happen like this. Yes, I gave you those two dreams, but then it'll, it'll go in the opposite direction for a while. But then after 13 years, everything will switch around. Nobody told uh, Andrew Brunson, Andrew, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be in prison for two years, okay? And then all of a sudden, bam, you, this will happen. This is how God works with us because he wants us to trust him. Trust him, trust him, even when it's the darkest possible moment. He wants trust from us. And he will reward us for our faithfulness. Both those guys, both Joseph and Andrew, responded well to their circumstances. And so God was able to glorify his name through them at the right time. Amen? So that's my, that's, my, that's, what, that's my message this morning. In the midst of our difficult circumstances, in the midst of the difficult things in life, if we would be able to just hang in there, keep going, it'll be glorious. Let me give you three quick things that we can do while we're in this waiting period, and then we're done. Three things we can do while we're in this waiting period. I'm also reading Psalms, the book of Psalms. Psalms. Let me turn there really quickly. Psalm 13. This is a Psalm of David. And I'm reading this, like I said, I'm reading the, this Bible, this um, through, through the year Bible thing. And um, so I'm reading it, but there's also a guy reading it to me. Okay, so... So he's a, a wonderful, warm British actor with a beautiful British accent, okay? He's reading this, uh, so I'm reading it and he's reading it in my ear because I don't want to disturb my wife. And so we get to Psalm 13. And so, so, so here's, here's how he says it. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Say, come on, Mr. David Suchet, Mr. Hercule Poirot. You're too British here, man. You're way too British. David, 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 King David was a Middle Eastern Jewish guy. If you know anything about Middle Eastern Jewish people, Middle Eastern people in general, Jewish people in particular, no, none of them are going to say, oh, my Lord, how long shall I wait upon your... The guy is saying... Oh God, how long, oh Lord? 
because he's expressing his true heartfelt emotions from his guts. How long, oh God? And that's what he's doing here in Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. He was suicidal. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foe will rejoice when I fall. But, verse 5, but, a big but, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. So here's, here's the deal. As we go through stuff in life, the hardships, the difficulties, the pressures of life, whatever they may be, our only righteous, David-like, Holy Spirit, Bible response is this. Trust in God's unfailing love. Even when it's horrible and dark, and how long, oh Lord, how long shall I wait? These are the promises you gave. They're not happening. What's going on? I trust in your unfailing love. I've tasted enough of your goodness that I know I can trust you. Like uh, Charles Spurgeon says, he says, um, when you can't, you, you know, because you know the goodness of God, um, when you can't see his hand, you can still trust his heart. When you can't see his hand, you can still trust his heart. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. If I, have to, if I have to dance in my prison cell of solitary confinement, if I have to dance, even though it's awkward and weird because I'm a white guy. Sorry, everybody. If, 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 if I have to rejoice, if I have to dance before you in the midst of my enemies, I will do it because I know your salvation. I know your salvation. And then I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So I leave you with this, friends. If, you, if you're going through stuff that's overwhelming, that's extremely pressurizing, whether it's a relationship thing, most things are relationship things, aren't they? Whether it's financial stuff, whether it's a health issue, whatever it may be, I would recommend that because you know your God, because you're confident in his goodness, you can do this. You can trust him in spite of everything. You can trust him in spite of the circumstances. You can rejoice in his salvation. You can rejoice in his nature as a savior. And you can sing about his goodness, can't you? Amen? Shall we all stand and we'll pray? Because at the same time, there's a Spirit of God who's here, who, who's here to help us. So if there's anybody, we'll just take a few seconds. If there's anybody who's here who uh, is experiencing that right now, there's a real strong sense of you're being overwhelmed, you're extremely discouraged. Again, it's not something light. It's not, you know, you didn't have hot water in your shower this morning or you had a bad hair. I'm talking about serious things that are overwhelming to you. Um, 
You can come and talk to us afterwards. But we'll just pray and invite the Spirit of God to come to strengthen us. Holy Spirit, I just invite you, Lord. Thank you for your presence with us all the time, but you were here in such a special way this morning. Thank you for your glorious presence. I ask that you would come. And for those of us, God, who really need to be strengthened, who are overwhelmed, who are tired, who are living lives of quiet desperation, Lord, I ask that you would come by the power of your Spirit. And would you infuse us with fresh joy, fresh peace, a fresh sense of your closeness, of your goodness, or remove any sort of dullness that may be there. Awaken our hearts, fresh fire of love and devotion to you, God. Awaken our devotion to you, Jesus. Strengthen our resolve. Strengthen our resolve to bless you, to worship you, to trust in you, to rejoice in you, to honor you because of who you are and because you're so worthy. You are so absolutely worthy, Jesus. You're worthy of every ounce of devotion, every ounce of, of trust we can give to you, and even so much more. Lord, I ask that you would create in our midst, you would create in this company, wild, warrior-like, trusting people who are so full of passion and burning desire for you that we will live for you in a self-sacrificial way. Come, Lord Jesus. We just need you, Lord. We need you. Lord, we want to make a difference in this world. We want to make a difference in this world, Lord. So we rely on you to empower us, to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, everybody. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for your attention. There's food downstairs, I believe. Have a great few days. And if you can come for the Alpha, the Alpha is open for everybody. The Alpha is open to everybody. So if you want to come to the Alpha, come. It'll be amazing.